Are you ready? That's a question that speaks of the future, and today that's what we're talking about is the word beyond, and that's the word that we've been talking about all month long with our students, and today we want to talk about that here as well. Beyond is a, a, a look at not, not just where we're going 10 years from now, not just where we're going one week from now, but where we're going in the very next moment. Beyond speaks to the separation. It points or represents the separation between where we are now and, yes, where we've been in the past, but, but reflecting and looking at where we will be. And so beyond is the representation of where we are now and where we will be. We often uh, think about decisions and we talk about decisions uh, with students and we talk about decisions as young adults and and decisions only get more difficult the older we get and decisions are a foundational part of life because decisions determine our outcomes our decisions determine our outcomes and it's easy to think about big decisions or decisions that might get us in trouble. And so if we're talking to maybe a, a teenager, it's like, you know, don't do drugs and don't get drunk and don't go partying. And then there, there are some really obvious decisions that, that none of us should ever make, like to root for the St. Louis Cardinals or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Michigan Wolverines. Those are, those are big, obvious decisions that are just no-brainers. You just don't do that. But then there are decisions that are kind of behind the decisions. There are decisions that, that we, we see in front of us, but then there's always something behind that that led us to the place where we actually made that decision. And a couple of years ago, uh, I had a, a business idea and I presented this idea to uh, some people that I really, really respected. And uh, it was cool because these, these two individuals had decided that they were going to invest into the idea that I had. And things were going really, really well. And it looked like uh, all was good with this, uh, this direction that we were heading. And it was cool because I respected these men so much. And I valued uh, their accomplishments and their success. And, and they were going to invest into my idea. And it was really cool, but the meeting where I showed up thinking that we were talking about all the next steps moving forward was actually a meeting where they would say to me, um, we've decided not to do this. We've decided not to move forward with this. And in that moment, I realized that there was something going on in my heart that I wasn't prepared for, that I wasn't really fully aware of. There was something going on on the inside of me, and I realized that I had misplaced my value and my significance and well-being in success and in what someone else thought of me. And the idea that these people that I respected and the, this affirmation that I was getting from these men that were valuable to me in my life— I had placed my value and my significance and my worth in them, in their approval, in what a person could give me. And it was really a moment where God took me through a process of figuring out, Nate, who are you because of my value on you, Nate, and because of the significance that I've given you because you are my son. It's the decision behind the decision. And that decision that we're talking about today is who or what has 
power in our life? Who or what has power in our lives? And I want to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And for sake of us not reading through the whole chapter, Proverbs 4 uh, basically says this in verses 1 through 22, okay? This is just a, a summary, my little summary of verses 1 through 22. It says, Follow, pursue, and run after instruction, understanding, learning, and what is right, uh, or what is best and right. For they will watch over you and keep you on the path of life. Follow, pursue, chase after, hunt it down, instruction, seek to understand, seek more learning, and to do whatever it is that is best and right. And it all leads up to verse 23 that many, many of us have heard, and it says this, guard your heart above what else? Guard your heart above what else? That means everything else means this is the most important thing that we can do. When it says guard, it means to watch over, to pay special attention to. Watch over your heart, your, your motives, your desires, your passions, the part of you that's the innermost being that makes decisions about where you are, but where you will be. Guard your heart at all costs, for it determines your beyond. It determines my beyond. It determines this dividing line, this separation between where I am and where I will be. Who or what has our heart? We sing a song around here uh, quite a bit, and it's a really, really great song, and it's called The King of My Heart. Here are a few of the words. It says, uh, The King of My Heart, will you, will you be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from? Be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, the fire in my veins, and the echo of my days. When we think about king of my heart, that's what we're saying. And it comes from that Proverbs 4.23 verse, guard your heart at all costs. In other words, who has the power? Who has the authority or the rule or the power? It's the king of my heart. He alone has the authority, the rule, and the power. He alone is the one who has authority, rule, and power to determine my beyond. Where I want to find myself in this place and time is where He is the only King of my heart. He is the only one who has that authority, rule, and power in my life. So we ask the question, who or what has the power in our lives? And this is the decision behind all decisions. The decision behind the decision is who or what has power in our lives. Who or what have we given over power? Who have we placed in lordship in our life? Who is it that we allow to have authority, rule, and power in our lives? Power means the ability to influence or direct. When we think about it that way, okay, who or what has the, has the ability in my life to influence or direct my beyond? Where I will be tomorrow? Where will I be next week? Where I will be next month? Our beyond is dictated by who or what has the power in our lives. Galatians 4 says each one should test 
their own actions. We think about a test. A test is what, what measures where you are. This is what I know, and I've proved it because I put it on a test, and this is what I don't know. And the test also proved that. We put something through a test to see what's really there. It weeds out what we say, it weeds out what we think, it weeds out our intentions, and it actually puts it right in front of us. And it says, test your own actions. What are the results of our lives? And I think if we start to to navigate through this thought process and we begin to think about, okay, who or what has the power in my life, the test, the testing of our actions, the testing of the results of our life will begin to reveal who or what has the power in our lives. Each one should test their own actions and they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Isn't it so easy to look at everyone else and come into a room and we listen to a sermon that we want to relay to somebody else who's not here that we wish was here to hear this? It's so easy to read a devotion and think about the other people that we need to encourage in our lives. But this is saying, test this for yourself. Each one should test their own actions. Each one should test the results of our own life. And in that moment for me in the story that I shared, I realized in that moment I was being tested. And where I had placed my value and my significance and self-worth was misplaced with someone else. And it crumbled and it crushed me. And it caused me to, to question who, who am I really? Where does my significance and value come from? Because I had misplaced the power. I had misplaced who was really the king of my heart. Where was I really finding my significance and value? And so we have some questions that I think will help us identify maybe who or what has power in our lives. What do I stress about the most? What do I stress about the most? Who or what often makes me upset? Who do I care about or what do I care about deeply? What do I think about often? These are questions that if we were able to honestly answer them as we're testing our own actions, as we're testing our own results, maybe the answer to some of these questions might reveal who or what really has the power in our life, where we invest our time and we invest our energy and we invest our thought life and we invest our resources into uh, people or a certain amount of time spent engaging in politics, for example. That was something several years ago that I I just made a a decision that I wasn't going to allow this to continually frustrate me every single day. I wasn't going to give power to that in my life because there were so many other things that were of value to me. And so when we ask ourselves these questions, it helps us do what Galatians 6 said to test for yourself our own actions. And it continues by the popular theme that many of us would know who have been raised and been around church. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, this doesn't mean like God standing up there, don't mock me. I'm going to hit you over the head with a hammer if you do this. 
I'm the big, bad, mean God, and you're not going to mock me. This is saying mocking the ways of God, the way that he set things up. He made this world. He made our lives. He made our decision-making to work and function in a certain way. This is how he set forth things into motion. And it says a man will reap what he sows. This is just the way it works. And you can't mock that system. You can't mock that way that he created things to be. It's just the way it is. So a man reaps what he sows, whoever sows to please their flesh. From the flesh will reap destruction. Isn't that interesting that the the things that make us feel good in a moment, the things that we think will bring us what we're actually looking for are in fact the things that will lead us to destruction itself. When we seek the things that we think are are right in our own mind are really the things that lead us down a path that we never wanted to go. The things that fill a void temporarily and we think we're really something, but in a moment it's gone. And we realize what we really have left is nothing but destruction. It, It was all for nothing. It was all for naught. There's just nothing left there. It leads down the road of destruction. But on the bright side, because of God's incredible grace, in spite of the fact that we have a flesh that has our own desires and our own selfish ways and wants to fulfill our own will, our own beyond, in spite of that, in His grace, He made a way that we can sow to please the Spirit. In other words, we can, we can take where we were bowing at the altar of giving the place of power to things that do not deserve that, and we can instead give the place of power to the Spirit of God that now lives within us for those who choose to follow and believe in Him. We can sow things into the Spirit, to please the Spirit. And when we do that, it leads to everlasting life. That means that no matter what crumbles and burns to the ground in this world, that is not where we have invested ourselves. We have invested ourselves and our lives into something greater. And in spite of what happens in our lives, we can know that we are giving power to the Spirit of God. He, in fact, is the true King of our heart, and our beyond is really beyond. And no matter what comes our way tomorrow and next week and the next month, our beyond is eternally secure because when we sow to please the Spirit, we will reap eternal benefits, eternal life. But we often Settle for giving power away to people, circumstances, and emotions. We often settle for giving our power away to the people in our life that really, really bug us and get on our nerves. Maybe it's not the people who really, really bug us, but maybe it's the people we really, really, really love. Isn't it true that the people who can hurt us the most are the ones that we love the most? There's a reason for that. It's because we've invested our our time and our energy and our resource into that relationship. And so we've propped that person up in our life where if we're not careful, we give them the power. And as soon as that's gone, and as soon as they make a mistake, and as soon as they don't meet our expectation, then our world falls apart. 
Sometimes we give power to other people. Sometimes we give power to trying to fit in and trying to to gain the acceptance or the approval that we seek from other people. We go and buy new cars and bigger houses and we try to represent ourselves in a certain way to try to impress people that we don't even know and probably don't even like. We give power away to people. And if we would have answered that question and and tested our motives and our intentions and the the deep places in our heart and we would have answered what makes us most upset, maybe for some it would be other people. And our expectations are so high of others. We place so much value in giving them authority over our behavior. I was talking to our our kids the other day and, and they were being really, really, really rude. And my son was defending how he felt in that moment and what he was thinking. But but she did this to me. She took this. And we said, "Why, why is that an excuse for you to treat her in an unkind way? Why is it more important what you're feeling in this moment and what she did? Why is that more important to you than how you're treating her? It's because his value, his, his power was misplaced. In other words, he felt like he was bound to respond in a certain way because of the actions of somebody else. How many times have we gotten into conflict with other people? Have we had the conversation with other people and it's just blame, 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 blame. But she, if she would only, if he would change this, if he would do that, and we constantly look at the other person, but... What Scripture says is that we submit to one another, not out of reverence for one another, because there is no one another worth one anothering. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It puts it back on us. Test our own actions. I'm submitting out of reverence for Christ, and so I'm no longer bound to act out in a way where someone else has the power to manipulate and control what I do. I can stand firm and strong. What about when situations and circumstances come into our life that we didn't see coming? Are we able to stand on solid ground knowing that Jesus is the peace that goes beyond all understanding? When circumstances and situations are out of our control and we can't dictate it anymore and we can't manipulate it anymore and we've done everything that we possibly can to figure this out and still it's just not working, we can have the peace that, know, that knows in this life we're going to have trouble, but we can take heart because there's something greater than this life. And so it makes a lot of sense when Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and I've had a lot and I've had a little, but I've learned that in all things, I'm okay to be content because I have Christ, because he is all I need, because he is my firm foundation, not my bank account, not my job, not my status, not what other people think of me. Not that everything is going right and we got to go on great vacations this year and we live in a great house and all my circumstances are just perfectly in alignment. No, it's when all of that falls apart and the bad news comes from the doctor and our bank account is overdrawn and we don't know how it happened and we don't know the way forward. We can somehow know that there is something beyond this life and our foundation is the one true God who is alive and well and he's making us and molding us into who he wants us to be right in the middle of that circumstance. That is the beyond that awaits us. 
But when we choose to give power to our circumstance, we ride the roller coaster of the everyday ups and downs of life. And you know what? It's exhausting. It's exhausting to be completely happy and satisfied and love our life one day and completely hate it the next because this relationship broke down over here and because this thing didn't go our way like we thought it would and because this or that didn't meet the expectation that we thought. It's exhausting. It's tiring. And it's not the kind of beyond life that the Christ follower is called to when we follow our emotions and what we feel in a moment. We feel angry, and so we respond with anger. We feel insecure, and so we respond with defensiveness. And we, we feel, we feel, we feel, and we immediately act sometimes, but we are not victims to the way that we feel. Who or what do we give power to? Or in other words, who will determine the value and significance and well-being in our lives? Who or what is it that really determines our value and our significance and our well-being? What is it that, that burns to the ground, that falls apart, that misses our expectation, that all of a sudden we don't feel like we have the same value that we did yesterday? Where all of a sudden we feel out of sorts and, and like we're, our, our life doesn't really count for anything. And it would just be better if I wasn't here. And I don't have anything to offer my kids anymore. And I don't have anything to offer this world anymore. And all of a sudden our significance is gone and our well-being and our state of mind is completely out of control. And it can happen just like that so often. Who or what has the power in our life? Who is the, the king of our heart? Who is it that has, that we've given the ability to influence and direct our lives and our value, significance, and well-being. The reality is, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here, is as we stand on this line that represents where we are now and where we will be, our beyond is determined right now. Today is forever. The decisions that we're making right now and the choice that we make here this morning, on Sunday morning, June 2nd, this moment right here, is what will determine where we end up tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Our beyond, all the future hopes and dreams, the life well lived, the wonderful things in life, the the dream, the vision, the future of of the life that we will have is determined right now in everyday average moments. We spend so much time trying to figure out the future. What does God want me to do? And today we're going to honor graduates in just a little bit. And especially for this time in a a graduate's life, they're trying to figure out what am I going to do for the rest of my life? God is a lot more concerned with who we are right now than what we will do. Because when we become the who that he wants us to be, we'll know the do that he wants us to do. We continue to follow the path that he will make straight. When we acknowledge him in all of our ways in this moment, when we give him the authority and the lordship and the rule and the reign in our life right now in this moment, it will determine and direct our beyond in the next moment. We look at Proverbs again. 
Proverbs 4.22, as it said, follow, pursue, and run after instruction, understanding, learning, and what is best and right, for they will keep and watch over you. What this is saying here, what we can infer from the message and the heart of the scripture is what's found all throughout the Bible. It's not just a religion. It's not just a Sunday morning church thing. It's not just doing our devotions here and there and praying some and giving some money. It's follow, pursue, and run after with all of our heart the ways of Jesus. Do it his way. His way is the one that brings life. Can we honestly say if we're testing, if we're testing our motives and we're testing our actions and we're testing the the passions and desires of our heart, can we say that they are completely bent toward Him and His desires? It doesn't mean that perfectly plays out every single time, but it means that in the deepest part of ourself, we are so redeemed and so focused on chasing and pursuing his path and his will and his desires and doing relationships the way he said to do them and handling our money the way that he said to do this and handling our day-to-day decisions in the way that he has set out, that he has planned. Our beyond is determined now Our beyond is determined now because our beyond tomorrow has everything to do with who we are today. Are we Christ followers, not just cultural American Christians? Are we Christ followers in every area of our lives? Are we following His ways? Are we doing it in the way that he has set out? Are we chasing it? Are we pursuing it? Are we watching over our heart for who has the power to determine, to influence and direct our significance and our value and our well-being? Or do we simply give it away to this group of people and this person in our life and the ups and downs of our circumstances and how we feel in any given moment? Or is our life built on a solid rock and a solid foundation that says, I am following Christ and I know that as I acknowledge him in all my ways, he will make my path straight. What are the areas of our life where where we have not submitted authority and rule and power to Christ in His way, in His plan? Are we sure as we investigate the motives and the intentions of our heart that they're truly bent and lean toward His ways and His desires for our life? Second Corinthians says, My grace is all you need. It's Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh, the the weakness that was brought to him. And he asked the Lord three times, will you please take this away from me? And we don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. And I think there's a reason for that because you can fill in the blank for yourself. But he said he got the same answer each time. It was my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need is what he heard from the Lord. And my power 
The power that we give to him, it absolutely works best in our weakness. So does it make us weak for a moment when people hurt us? Yes. Does it hurt us? Does it cut us to the core sometimes? Yes. Do circumstances come our way that we didn't expect, that we didn't ask for, that we didn't choose, we would never ask for again? Yes. Do our emotions play tricks with our minds sometimes and they lead us to do things that we never intended to do, we didn't want to do, we said things we shouldn't say, we said things we didn't mean? Do our emotions get a hold of it? Yes. All of those things come our way. But His power, when we're submitted to Him and His ways, and we take a step back and say, you know what? Jesus, you have power here. You have authority. You have rule. You have the power. And your power is what makes me strong in my weakness. That is good news. His power. It works best when we are weak. Today, have we, have we given power to Jesus? Have we given the power to the one who calls us his sons and daughters? Have we given power to the one in which we can look to him as our help, as our refuge, as our safety, as our security, as our significance, as our value, as our self-worth, as our well-being? Have we truly laid down our will and our desires and what we want to do things his way? I would propose that we can't really complain about our beyond. We can't really say much about where we find ourselves in a week, a month, a year, if somewhere back here on a Sunday and then a Monday and then a Tuesday and then a Wednesday, we didn't wake up saying, Jesus, I want to do it your way today because everything about my beyond is determined by who I am today, and who I am is an absolute sold-out follower of Jesus Christ, and I will do it His way, and I'm committed to doing it His way, and I will surrender myself, and I will die to my own will and desires every day because that's what's actually good for me. That's what actually leads to everlasting life. That's actually what leads me in the opposite direction from the road of destruction and destructive relationships and destructive habits and destructive lifestyles and destructive consequences that come into our life. We can be, live in a beyond that He created and that He determined for us by what we do today. Where do we find ourselves today? Have we truly laid down our desires for His? Have we made the decision that you alone will determine my significance, my value, and my well-being? I think just as this message has incredible implications for me and you and every individual in this room, I was thinking about as a church who, who or what do we often give power to as a church? And so I revisit our same questions as a church. What, what do we stress about the most? Who or what often makes us upset? What do we care about deeply? And what do we think about often? As a church, how do we operate as individuals inside the church? One, one of my favorite pastors, they have this value in their church, and they say that church 
does not exist for us. And for us, meaning those who are believers, those who have already committed their lives to Christ. Church does not exist for us, but we are the church, and we exist for the world. And I think about some of the things that we, that we stress about. The church as a whole, sometimes we stress about theological differences that really don't make that much of an impact in the end of things. Some do, of course. But most of the ones that separate us by the names on our church signs, they're really not all that important, but we, we get pretty stressed about them, don't we? And we spend our time, and I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in these different pastor groups and stuff on Facebook, and it's just, I say I'm on them, I used to be. I'm tired of it. It's like, really? We're, we're a group full of pastors, and all we can do is sit on Facebook all day and argue about minute doctrines? Like, aren't we supposed to be, like, out pastoring people and loving people and connecting with people and caring for people the way that Jesus did? But we get all stressed and bent out of shape about who, who or what has the power with us. What makes us deeply upset? I know of a church that recently changed their name because they're opening two additional campuses in different cities. And so they changed the name of their church and they have a vision to to open five more campuses in the next year. And there are so many people in in this church that are upset about the name change. And they're missing the fact that they're changing the name because they feel like it's going to be most helpful in reaching more people. What are we really worried about here? What are we really talking about here? What's the conversation here? What do we really get upset about in church? Sometimes we get upset at all the big sins in the world. And you put your name on whatever big sin you want. But I get upset about the 13-year-old in our city last night who found her significance and value and well-being in some guy that didn't deserve it, and she gave all of herself away, and now she's going to be dealing with the emotional scars and consequences for the rest of her life. Will there be a church here that exists for her to process that? That's what makes me upset. It makes me upset when we argue about things that don't matter while there are people in our city right now that are sleeping off a hangover because all they could do was drink away every problem in their life because no one has ever pointed them to a better solution than that. That makes me upset. What do we care about deeply? I care about the next generation. And I'm so thankful that this church believes in the next generation and you guys fund the next generation and you guys think it's important enough to hire a youth pastor and pay him a full-time salary to reach the next generation and to give money so that students can go on trips all year long and hopefully connect and have a moment with God that'll change them forever. This is a wonderful church and I'm so glad, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that cares deeply about the next generation. Because while teenagers and middle and high school, they only represent 20% of our society now, they represent 100% of our beyond. And I am grateful that we think it's more valuable to invest into young people than it is to worry and think about our needs and our desires and what we want, what we want church to be like on a Sunday morning and what we want the pastor to preach like and what we want everybody to dress like when they come in here. 
Is that, is that really what we want to give the place of power? Or do we want to say we want people who will come in here and we don't care if they're wearing shorts or if they're wearing a hat like I saw some people in here doing last Sunday? We don't care if the pastor wears jeans or a suit. That's not really what's important. That's not really what has the place of power. We want to reach people. That's what we want to think about. I want our minds to be on the fact that this church does not exist. If you are a follower of Christ, and especially if you are a member of Xenia First Church of the Nazarene, guess what? This church isn't for you. We are the church. The people in the church are the church, and we exist for all the people in our community who aren't here yet. The place of power belongs to Christ and His will and His desires. And He said that He came to seek and save the lost. And all of us are the result of the church caring for us at one point because we wouldn't be here without it. And now, instead of looking in and saying, oh, now I'm in the club. Now we're in the church. Now we're in our little thing. Let's make it the way we want to make it. We then can turn to the outside and look to the outside of these walls and say, we exist so that one more might come to know Christ. We exist so that one more teenager might come to know Christ. We exist so that one more kid will hear about the gospel when they're six years old and maybe they'll continue when they're seven and eight and nine and ten and someday they'll be on a missionary field somewhere and they'll say, I remember when I was just a little kid and I heard some pastor and he was kind of old. I think his name was Brian and he was telling me that God could use me and God could do something with my life and I became a missionary because of what happened to me in a moment in And when I was eight years old in a kid's auditorium, that some people cared enough about me to make sure that it looked good in there and to make sure that there was a projector and a screen hanging in there and to make sure that there was a way for me to hear the gospel and to have fun as a kid where I wanted to keep coming back. What if there was a a single mom who came in and where she felt no worth and no value because the only person she really, really ever loved left her and left her feeling no worth and no significance and she came and it was her last her last effort at really taking another shot at life and somebody invited her into a church called Zeni Nazarene and she came and she was welcomed by people at a at a front door of a kids entrance who had a big smile on their face and said can I help you get your kids checked in and her kids were able to go and she was able to sit in here and she was able to hear a word that changed her life and changed her family forever where she knew that her significance and her value was no longer attached to a man but it was attached to Jesus it was attached to the one who would never fail her that would never leave her, that would never forsake her? What if we became the church for the people who are not a part of the church? And so if you haven't caught on yet, I'm about to do a pitch for volunteers. (laughs) And today you have a card on your seat. And on there, there's some opportunities, and we'll turn the house lights up just for a second here, but so you can actually see it. By the way, the lights were on when you walked in today. We made that modification after the last takeover. You're welcome. (laughs) There are ways that you can get involved in student ministry and reaching the next generation so that we have Ozenia First Church of the Nazarene in 20 years from now. But here's what I want you to do. I was talking to Pastor Brian last week, and 
And he said there's a lot of uh, people who are kind of stepping away from kids ministry. And I just want to add kids ministry into this. Let's just say this is all about next generation ministry. It's about the church of tomorrow coming through. And what can we do today to lead our students beyond tomorrow? How can we be a part of influencing and directing the lives of kids? And there are a lot of different places available. And I know that many of the parents of little kids, many parents are on the schedule But I think it would be pretty cool if people who weren't parents, maybe grandparents in here, maybe people who aren't parents yet. I think every young adult in our church should be in there at least once a month serving our kids. You know why? Because it's not just serving a kid. Although it's making an impact on a kid, it's making a way that a parent can have an hour a week in here, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 30 if Pastor Mark's preaching, an hour each week that they can come and they can connect with God and actually have a little bit of a break from their kids for a minute. Like, what if we made it possible to be a church for the people who aren't here yet? And so if kids ministry is maybe something that that you might desire, that you might have in your heart, and you think you'd you'd do better with a three and four-year-old than a 13 and a 14-year-old, that's great. Just write kids ministry on that card, even though there's no box for that. But there are many ways to get involved, and I hope, I hope that God is laying it on some people's heart. This is not a guilt trip in any way, but I am trying to paint a really clear picture of vision for a church that cares about the beyond and cares about the beyond for the 13-year-old. And we're no longer just being a church that reacts to all the problems. We have to open recovery centers and rehab centers and homeless shelters. All of those things are great and wonderful, but they're all a response And no one except those who are doing next generation ministry are changing the future outcome. I don't want to have to have homeless shelters in 10 years. I don't want us to have to have so many recovery programs. And it starts with what we do today with the next generation. It starts right now with what we can do today. No more reacting. We're going to get proactive. We're going to have vision for the future. We're going to see this community change and it's going to happen because we invest into the next generation. And so I want to thank you. Please, if you heard guilt, and are, man, I guess I got to go do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. Hopefully that's just the Holy Spirit saying, I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone to do something for the next generation. Don't feel guilt from me. But look, look what could happen. What kind of vision? What could happen in our community? If we became people who live for the beyond by living for Jesus today by following Him today, by giving power to Him in our lives. And as a church, if we were able to do the same. Today, we're going to do things different as we usually do on Takeover Sunday, and we're going to do worship at the end. As we worship and the team's coming forward, we're going to sing a few songs. You might know some of them. You might know, you might not know some of them. That's okay. The words are on the screen. Sing it anyway. Sing it wrong if you need to. That's all right. But feel free in this moment to respond and ask God, where are the parts of my life where you want to extend your grace to me, where I haven't given everything fully over to you? And ask him, what do you want me to do to lay myself down so that I can not just come to church where it exists for me, but I can be the church and I can do something else. And maybe today it's not next generation. Maybe it's helping in the sound booth, or maybe it's greeting people at the doors they come in. There's so many ways to be involved. 
But ask God during this this reflection time of worship to unify us as a body, to unify us as a church, following Jesus to our beyond. God, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you that we've had this opportunity to be challenged by you. I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and you would lead us to the best beyond because of the decision that we make in this moment to follow you today.